Hello, and welcome to the Digital Rookie Podcast. My name is Patrick Quay. In this week's episode, I sit down with Julian Wallace from the Carlton Football Club. You might notice that today's episode is slightly longer than usual. Well, to be honest, I enjoyed chatting with Julian so much that I couldn't cut any parts out. He provides not only some great career tips for working in sports digital, but also adds loads of really interesting things to say about the intricacies involved in engaging fans and the strategy Carlton utilises in order to build and maintain a loyal fan base. For the international listeners, I thought it would be important to point out that Carlton Football Club is a team in the Australian Football League. You guys will probably also notice that they are the team that I support and have been a very loyal fan of for my entire life. If you enjoy this episode, then make sure to let me know in the review section on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate the feedback. If you wish to connect with Julian or myself on LinkedIn, you can find the links in the description below. Make sure to follow at Digital Rookie Hub on Instagram for more content and visit my website, digitalrookiehub.com. While you're at it, don't miss an episode of the podcast by clicking on that subscribe button. All right, that's enough from post-recorded Patty. Enjoy my chat with Julian. So, Julian, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast and, uh, yeah, having a chat with me this evening. Uh, no drama, mate. Like, thanks for having me. It's, um, had to listen to a couple of your episodes, so I'm stoked to be on. Yeah, absolutely no stress. Uh, can you just give us a bit of an insight into your background and, and experience to get started? Yeah, absolutely. So, currently, I am the digital platform editor at the Carlton Football Club. Um, so that involves me looking after all of the various platforms digitally, as the name suggests. Um, so that's social media, website, app, um, and any external platforms that we have digitally through that. Um, my, a bit of my journey, I've probably been at Carlton for just well, close to two years now. Started at the uh, start of 2019. Um, before that, I uh, got my first gig in sports, working at the Essendon Football Club, doing social media. Um, spent two and a bit years there and then took a break and and got out of sports for a little bit and then was lucky to get enough uh, get back in via the Melbourne Renegades where I did uh, two two summers over there and then eventually worked my way back into to Carlton Football Club. Yeah awesome so one thing I kind of want to touch on is um, obviously you started in a more of a content creation side role uh, you know producing content for the Renegades and for the Bombers uh, but with Carlton you've moved more into that strategy side can you explain the difference between those type of roles in digital and uh, you know the pros and the cons and how you feel about each side of the digital industry? Yeah absolutely mate like um when I, when I started at the Bombers, I was probably very green and didn't have enough knowledge where I could go out and say, this is our long-term strategy for uh, our digital channels. Um, and so like getting your hands dirty and, and really learning like what actually is involved in producing content um, was really important for me. And we had a lot smaller team and this was back in 2014. So there was only, I think three of us in total doing all the digital content. Um, so you really did have to get your hands dirty and go out and take photos, make videos, do like what you do now, record podcasts and, and just produce, produce, produce until you learnt what was valuable and what wasn't. Um, and it's with that knowledge that you kind of then learn what in the future will work better like every club's different obviously and every fan is different but there are some fundamentals that come from 
learning how to produce content that you can then implement into strategy. Um, and I'm still fairly young in my journey into the strategy side of it. I still do produce a little bit of content here and there, but just not to the same volume. Um, it's also a little bit about realizing that at Carlton in particular, we've got such a great content team um, made up of uh, three people named, uh, three people in my direct team anyway, you know, Christian, Marnie and Rose, um, who just have a better understanding and better touch of like actually producing content, if that, if that makes sense. Like yeah. they're, they're on the ball when it comes to that. Um, so the strategy side of it is, is then being that medium in between sponsors, um, wider media, um, and other partners or external um, forces taking all that in and kind of tailoring the way that the team produces content. So it's meeting all those goals, um, for the wider business as well. So it's, it's been a real, real fun. Like, don't get me wrong. There's days where you miss getting out there and taking photos or, or making a video because it's so, um, so immediate. You can see the, the impact of what you're doing, but longer term, like um, it's a lot of fun knowing that a strategy that you put into place is kicking into gear and will have sustained success for a longer period of time. Yeah. And so for Carlton, uh, for example, what kind of data or information or things do you use to drive that strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we look a lot at um, our website traffic um, as a, a main starter of in terms of success. So we'll at the end of every month, we'll we'll track our article views, our video views, um, and we can go into a, a more granular level and and determine which videos or articles got the most traffic and whatnot. And then we kind of cross reference that with our, our social media and see which posts were performing the best. Um, and we can go ahead and categorize them into certain buckets. So we, we have football content, we have community stories, we have lighthearted content, um, stuff like that. And once we kind of get an idea of what works well, um, that'll help us determine what was valuable in terms of continuing on um, and what was great to try, but may not have been the most successful. So that's kind of how we go about it. It's, it's always changing as well because, you know, what's hot one month is completely bad the next month and you've got to be really adaptable in that sense yeah yeah definitely i think um one thing the blues do really well is have a quite a variety of different content uh that applies to different types of fans as well you have your more kid focused light-hearted content and then there's the content that i love that you know that's the stats focus the reserve team kind of content yeah. and then and then there's the the older content that like, you know, the flashbacks to the seventies and stuff like that, that we'll touch on uh, a little bit later in our chat. Um, so just from a more general perspective though, for aspiring sports marketers, you know, people in similar position to me, can you provide your opinion a bit on what you think the most accessible part of the sports marketing digital industry is going like you know going forward where where would you put your energy if you were trying to get a get a job right now yeah absolutely and this i think this is like the golden question for everyone mm. oh, um <laughs> i it's it's no word of a lie like especially probably in this climate uh thanks to old mate corona yeah shout probably, out <laughs> shout out corona uh it's probably a little bit more difficult than what it has been traditionally um but that being said like 
now more than ever, and I've, I've heard a few of your guests say this and they're absolutely right, but getting involved in local sport is probably the key to, to getting your foot in the door in a lot of mm. places like university education and, and all that kind of stuff is really important as well because it, it teaches you the fundamentals of wider stuff. But if you can show that you've worked your ass off in um, like in terms of formulating a, a solid content plan for a, a local club and you can, you can track things like growth engagement um, theming or how you help certain key campaigns uh, that, that puts you in a world of good to, for when you do get that interview because these jobs do come up um you can point to something on your phone and say this was me you know yeah. this website this was me this was all my ideas here's my thoughts behind it it's it's probably quite similar to like um it, it, with graphic design or or video you have um oh what are they called like yeah, for video you have show reels for for graphic design you have portfolios like a, yeah portfolio yeah. yeah absolutely and so from a digital perspective, you, you've got to look at like what's tangible that I can show. And sometimes it's thought processes, sometimes it's actual articles and sometimes it's like Instagram feeds, you know, like, but it's all that stuff. And there's going to be a, a range of like VFL clubs or local footy clubs, cricket clubs, netball clubs, whatever it might be calling out for these people to help them, especially now that everything's gone uh yeah to crap a little bit um but that that'd be that'd be where i'd be looking and also networking mate like what you're doing is is perfect and it should be an example to anyone listening to you i i don't know if you found this but most people in the sports industry love chatting um, oh definitely me, yeah me in this example <laughs> they they um they will they know how hard it is to to get in so anything they can do to to help someone um it's they're going to have those conversations with you um it just it's it is what it is this industry is quite built on relationships um like for example i i can guarantee the only the one of the main reasons i got my first look in was because um my first boss shane who um now works at sydney swans he was friends with my sister and right yeah you know it just makes it that little bit easier to when you know someone they can put in a good word for you and it just gives you that little edge. So networking is a huge one. Yeah. Um, they'd probably be the two things that I'd look at. Yeah. I think it's interesting just going back to your point about university. Uh, one yeah. thing that I've definitely found uh, like just doing, you know, an arts degree at Melbourne quite broad, like, yeah, you can show that you're educated, but in terms of technical skills, it's like all the stuff that I've learned, you know, that's allowed me to do a podcast, you know, all my, graphic stuff that I've done you have to just teach yourself and absolutely and um so a university degree it's gonna be interesting to see from like an employer's point of view if really that comes down to if that has any significance at all do you know what I mean yeah absolutely and like I think it still has some significance Mm -hmm. um but the moment I I did a, a bachelor of business marketing um and but the moment I walked out of that degree, stuff I'd learnt in first year was already somewhat outdated. Mm. Like it's about like applying that to what you're going to do in the future. And to be honest, like I'm sure it will eventually get to the stage where the university degree is less important than uh, the ability to produce like Gen Z or whatever we're yeah. up to. Like they've got this 
outstanding ability to produce content with little to no cues. I mean, TikTok's a perfect example of that. Like you just see trends emerging for no reason. And that's yeah. something you can't teach at university. You're right. Like yeah. it's just something that happens. I think the strength of university at the moment, and I've spoken about this with some people is that is really as a networking opportunity. And that ties into what you said about the sports industry generally like it is incredibly networked and relationship focused and i guess that's one of the reasons why i started this podcast is to try and just meet as many people as possible um with the hope that yeah one day maybe one of the people that i interview go oh that guy patty he i remember him or i apply for a job and you i can like message someone like you know when my dream job at carlton comes up <laughs> i'll be messaging you julian so um, so yeah I, you're exactly right on that on that point absolutely and it, like the other the other good thing that i found with my union i was really lucky is the the opportunity to potentially do an exchange or go overseas and have that experience like that was one thing that i loved like i didn't get too much into the networking side of things at uni but i i took advantage of the other things that allowed me and the life experience that you can build um, upon from that is probably really important in the scheme of things. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. All right. Well, let's start talking about the blues because you know, I love, talking, I love talking about the blues. <laughs> so um, one thing that I want to ask you about is how you've gone about building that loyal fan base, you know, uh, been deprived of success for a long time. So how have you gone about maintaining such high engagement uh, despite the lack of success? You know, a lot of clubs get, get that success and it, and it yeah. results in, in good engagement, but you have been faced with the challenge of not getting that uh, yet maintaining the engagement. This is probably the hardest question you sent through to me because <laughs> it's, it, it does make you think. Um, we're really lucky and I, I called them out before, but the, the content team that we have, they're so good at, at finding stories that don't specifically have to talk to results. And Carlton is lucky in the sense is while we don't try and dwell on the past, we're lucky that we've had such success in the past that we can call back to if need be. But the biggest thing that we can sell as a football club, and I believe this, I might, you ask someone else from Carlton, they might have a different opinion is hope and yeah. the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And that's probably something Carlton's been selling for a while. Oh, I've been sold it for my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But sports, sports fans in general, like love the chase. Like you love being the underdog and everyone riding you off. I think that's, that's a common theme. So what what unites you is like while Carlton fans might have felt at times that like the team is hopeless, it's still their team. It's still like there's history there, there's passion there. It's just reminding people of why they fell in love with the team in the first place or what there is to love about the future. And the great thing about Carlton is like even though there hasn't been success, let's say in the last 10 years, the last four to five years, I want to say, yeah. like it started to look up and there's, there's been downward times as well. Like there's, there's no lying about that, but right now what we have is a team that you can sell belief in. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. A lot of it has to do with on-field success now starting to come through, but we also have like, 
content that makes people excited. We have exciting players. We have exciting uh, that, and that's male and female. Like that's not discounting the impact that the the AFLW has had on mm-hmm. growing our audience as well. Um, probably one of the most important factors is that when we can't point to to ma- uh, the AFL success, that we can always say, "Hey, AFLW! Like, look at this great gr- bunch of." Um, players that are like doing amazing things um so it's a bit about like yeah selling hope and trying to focus on the positive while being a little bit realistic like you can't polish a turd sometimes yeah Um, probably the wrong way to describe it (laughs) no i think it's but i think it's perfect yeah but like it's about knowing when to to go hard on hope and when to ease up The, the the old cliche like a week is a long time in football is really true um because you lose, you win, whatever. You've got three days to deal with the past and then you move on to the next one. Um, yeah. that, that's where it is. And you'll yeah. always find individual success within the team. Like Highlighting the performances of like last year, not the greatest year, but Sam Walsh wins the Rising Star. Patrick Cripps wins the AFLPA MVP, Smokey for the Brownlow like there's always small bits of success that you'll, you'll be able to, to find. And we've got such a diverse content offering now that it's um, yeah, it's, it's a lot easier to, to bring people around. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. You bring up the AFLW um, because the success with them is quite contrasting to the, to the, the men's team. Can you give an insight into just like the, the, AFLW fan base and how how engaged they are and your opinion on, you know, the direction of AFLW and its success digitally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started off by saying I I absolutely love the AFLW. Like I think it's one of my favorite things to work on just because there is that excitement and not often that, like that pressure that um, the AFL has, um, it's also a space where you can be so much more innovative. Like, yeah. um, in terms of the audience, it's it's quite a different audience. I think you and I chatted about it uh, last week. Yeah, where it's not there is your core group of traditional AFL Carlton supporters that are there and that are there for the ride, and that's great. It's they're they're an important part of it. But what AFLW has done greatly as a as a league of its own is welcome back those groups that perhaps felt a little bit ostracized by the the typical afl crowd and that might be um people with younger kids who are looking for a safer environment when they go to the footy or it might be certain groups within society like for example the lgbtqia um in a group yeah that that segment of society who perhaps not felt too welcomed before even though there's like there's been ground made it they might feel more comfortable with uh, a a group of a smaller group of people who are more welcoming to the to to them um and also like young girls like and their aspirations to play football and finally having this phenomenal group of women that they can look up to who will stop and like have a chat with them after the game. Like we're so lucky that, um, I, I mean, 
if you go to any AFLW game, the, the girls will stop and talk to you after the game. No, before the game, like whenever it might be, they'll come over and have a chat, take a photo. They'll do all that. And that's something you don't get. So more and more people are falling in love with this attachment that feels more like local community football. Yeah. And that's spilling onto online where we can talk to these different groups of people about stuff we perhaps can't talk about in a traditional space because we've got to be a little bit more conservative. Um, this perfect example is um, Pride Round where us in the Western Bulldogs have a, a specially designed jumper that's led by our, our playing group. And during that week, we're able to have conversations with members from Carlton Pride about their journey and how the struggles they've had in, in their life. And we're able to bring that to light through our AFLW channels and feel confident that it's going to hit home and attract others who might've felt this, but never realized that football is actually becoming a more safe space for that. Yeah. Um, And that's really important. Like football is, it will hit a peak of where like fans come from and stuff like that. So we've got to diversify what we're doing and, and how we talk to people and AFLW is an amazing space to be able to do that. Yeah, I think definitely also the the level of celebrity uh, in terms of a men's AFL player, obviously yeah. it's it's increased. The popularity of AFL men's is obviously more at the, uh, higher at the moment than than AFLW, but that accessibility to these people that are still heroes and you know, yeah, they they're just the being able to relate to them on a more personal level is really appealing from a fan point of view um and it's something that you just don't really get anymore uh, in the regular afl like even just something as simple as being able to go on the ground after the game and have a kick exactly the other like really sensational thing about the, the aflw is that it's it's bringing in like other other codes so probably the best example is chloe dalton who's um an Olympic gold medalist going for her second Olympic gold uh, when the Olympics eventually are. But it it just brings in this whole new audience of people who might've known Chloe from her rugby seven days and then see her tearing it up on the the football field. And it's like, well, I love this sport now. Like, and that's the other thing, like the, the the girls are are amazing and what they've done before they've gotten to football. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I might be wrong, but I don't think there'd be many AFL Olympic gold medalists no, <laughs> um, I, yeah, running around. Um, but yeah, so it's it's an amazing space. And um, um, last year we made the decision to to split our channels um, and and have separate accounts for what, AFL. What led AFL that? Coffee. What led that? We just felt like we weren't doing justice to what the amount of content we should be sharing for AFLW. Um, and we wanted to give it a safer space for it to play. It's trash when you, you go on to an AFL account and you see these toxic men just like yeah. hurling abuse at, at, at players for, for no reason. And it's, it's yeah. the same crap all the time. So I guess the, the Taylor Harris exa- uh, incident is a pretty good example of that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example. And we just it's not that we we want to we just want to protect our players and that comes across like everything we do but we felt that this was a a better way to for us to i think yeah do that but mainly produce more content and that's something we've been 
able to do right throughout. Um, there's no hiding when you have a AFLW channel and it's got no content going up on it. Um, one, one of the, the team told me that today and I was like, yeah, actually you're right. Like that's such a, that's such a good point. Like if we just had an AFL channel and, and encompassed everyone, it's so easy to forget, not forget, but not put any effort into putting women's content up. Whereas yeah. now we have those channels sitting there and if yeah. you don't post something for a week. It's like, Oh crap. Like, what are we doing? Um, yeah. I think the thing about AFLW is as well. So I didn't expect us to talk so much about AFLW, uh, but it's really, it's really interesting. And I think it's, it's a, yeah. a really cool part of digital. Um, and it's quite unique, especially because of the fact that the season's so short, you yeah. know, it's only like nine weeks or whatever it is. Yeah. And with such an, a long off season, yeah. I assume a lot of the content you're making and the content I've seen as well is about the individuals and their backstories and like Chloe Dalton, who, you know, yeah. is going to the Olympics. We get to find out about those things and who she is and I know, like Darcy Vessio, like about Absolutely. her and her family and, and things like that. So I think it's, it's a really interesting uh, like point within the digital space. Absolutely. And you're spot on. Like that was one of our, our focuses um, this year, like is telling these stories. I, I'm not discounting the, the AFL players stories yeah. either because there's some rippers in there, but sometimes they're a little bit more guarded and rightly so. Like you can cop criticism a lot more, but Marnie who kind of headed up our AFLW content over last year, she we we had a series um, called Behind the Game Changers. Uh, Game Changer being Carlton's um, yep. kind of stick for for women. And what that did is it, it took the focus off football. Like traditionally, the audience care about football, but it's not like oh, I care about kicks, handballs, marks, like those stats. I care about like results and highlights, but I want to know the player. Um, and we were lucky enough to have Sarah Hosking host a, a podcast, so the, uh, a player-led podcast, where she basically just interviewed players. And because she had that knowledge of who they were and a bit more than we would, we got a really good product at the end of the day. And some some of the stories are sensational. And it's it, it really does add another level of connecting with that audience because they're no longer listening to a football pod podcast and listening to a, a podcast on a completely different level. Um, yeah. and, it, and again, that, that goes to building digital audiences outside of your traditional market. Yeah. I think even in the men's now, we're starting to see a few more insights yeah. into the behind the scenes of some of these blokes and, and it's not always about being that tough guy, you know, um, there's a lot of players that are now coming out and saying, well, I hated playing footy. Um, yeah and it was really tough and that's that's unprecedented really um but yeah, yeah. But good at the same time like very important yeah definitely um all right i i guess i better ask my final question otherwise we'll talk <laughs> forever um i want to kind of know what you're most proud of in terms of a carlton social media uh perspective what what's the favorite thing that you've completed uh, during your time at the Blues, um, I, I can count Essendon in this uh, or in your whole career, uh, but uh, yeah, I've um, well, this is a real like ego-driven question. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, I think one of uh, probably definitely one of the the proudest things or the most fun things that I, I worked on at Carlton is um, last year we 
for no reason whatsoever, we decided that we were going to have a lot of fun with our, our re-signing videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so rather than just do your standard like announcement of um, so-and-so signed for a, a contract extension, we, we tried to come up with different ways of announcing it. I think I could be wrong. Um, but one of the first ones was um, when Cruz re-signed and his nickname being Tractor and we thought how, how like good would it be if we got the groundskeeper to just like drive around the oval and then we did something with that and we were talking about it and it's like well why don't we do that like um and it just became this thing of where yeah. we had to like one up one up one up um and there are there are a few good ones um in that probably a low light and a highlight for that was when I was the idiot that decided to do a 28 minute live stream for Cunners <laughs> re-signing. I still maintain it was a stroke of brilliance, but I'm sure many people will disagree with me. Um, I do remember tuning into that being like, what is, what is going exactly. on? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, got people talking. Yeah. Um, 100%. And I always threaten to bring it back when, <laughs> when something goes wrong, but that, that was fun. And that, and that's like one of the, the great things about, um, what you can do is with content is like, it's not always your stock standard stuff. Like sometimes it is about having fun. Um, and you're going to always piss someone off with what you do, but if you're not having fun with what you're doing and not being innovative and thinking of quirky ways to do it, I, I think like what's, what's the point sometimes? Um, yeah. so that was a lot of fun. Um, I've got to give a special shout out to the Jack Nunes one. If, no one's ever watched that. I'd suggest going to watch that. It's a great watch. Yeah, I think I might have watched Jack Nunes kicking that goal <laughs> upwards of triple figures. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's up there. Um, <laughs> yeah, Julian, look, thanks so much for taking the time and you know being so generous and chatting with me and and uh, you know giving insight into your stories and some of your advice. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no drama, mate. I'm sorry if I, uh, I waffled on for a little bit there, <laughs> but. Um, we made it through and yeah i I appreciate you taking the time and um hope that if anyone ever has any questions just to to hit me up at however you want to i'm always open again i'd like to reiterate my thanks to julian for being such a great guest on the podcast if you enjoyed our chat let me know by writing a review in the apple podcast review section like i mentioned at the start if you want to connect with either julian or myself on linkedin you can find the links in the description you can also follow at Digital Rookie Hub on Instagram and check out my website, digitalrookiehub.com. I really hope you've been enjoying the interviews I've had lately, because I sure have, and make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and follow on Spotify because there are plenty more awesome chats to come. Thanks for listening and catch you on the next episode of the Digital Rookie Podcast. <laughs>